Med Family is a show about a family journeying through medical school with kids and navigating married life. Tag along to see how we got here and where this journey is taking us. Hello, welcome to another week of our podcast, Med Family. I am Eric Acker, the host, and with Karen, the co-host. Hey, guys. <laughs> so this is our, I guess, our 52nd episode. So we so, made officially it. made it a year. Yes. We committed to something. Who would have thunk? With the exception of our Christmas episode, where it was just like, "Hey, Merry Christmas!" We're not, we're not doing an episode this week. <laughs> we've, we've done, we managed to do an episode just about every week. I think not always on time, but yeah, we'll have to rethink how we're going to do this when Eric is in away rotations, and if we'll continue during residency. I think probably we will. It'll just maybe look a little bit different. We'll, we'll figure it out one way or another. At least, at least what I want to try to continue it through fourth year and at least through through the graduation. That would be kind of my ideal because this is generally just trying to give people, students, inside glimpse at medical school life for uh, medical school life uh, that usually you don't get to see unless you actually experience it. Because I think generally, people do ask me a lot of times, like, why do you do the podcast? And it's like, well, it's because... I felt like I didn't have a lot of information going into the next step of medical school. And granted, I didn't start this until I was done with step one. So I kind of wish I would have started it earlier. But at least as far as getting to step one and looking beyond, this is essentially what we've been trying to do. And also we have the unique advantage of having the family with us. And that adds a little bit extra complexity to navigating medical school. If you're single, obviously, then you don't have kids to Generally, generally speak, if you're speaking, if you're single, you don't generally have kids to worry about. If you're a single parent and in medical school, hats off to you. That's tough. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how yes. you're doing it. It's tough for me, and I, I barely have to lift a finger around here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He says that, but he let me sleep in on Sunday. That was a plus. Yeah. I've lowered the bar so far. Uh, <laughs> <that> apparently, <laughs> letting you sleep in a couple hours is, is amazing. You clean the kitchen for me, too. Yeah. I, I do stuff and things. You do um, stuff and things. Not just, you know, the pretty face around the house. And <laughs> not the... <laughs> anyway, moving on from that. We uh, we are... We finished our third week. Now we're in our fourth week of surgery. We have four of six weeks of general surgery. Uh, this is like the only time in our core rotations do we do six solid weeks with one preceptor. So we are in week four of that. And I don't know. It's been going... Okay, better, I guess. I'm not sure. We're, he's. I think our preceptor is more or less tolerating us. We don't get a lot of teaching just yet. I'm not sure if that's just a factor of him being tired or... I don't know. I don't have a But I definitely feel like I've, I've grown a little bit as far as the tech, technical side of surgery has gone. Um, from day one of kind of getting yelled at for anything, walking close to anything, to... <laughs> Like day two where I had, oh, day three, I'm not even sure where, but like somewhere along the way I, had, I was completely gowned and gloved up and, and sterile, you know, sterile for the surgery. And then I started trying to assist on closing the back of the gown of my, my preceptor, which you can't do. You, <laughs> so I had to completely strip off all my gown and gloves again and try it again, get, you know, rewash and then we go back, come back in. So I've come a long way from there. Uh, I still haven't 
and this is going to sound actually pretty pathetic with that previous statement, but I still haven't thrown a suture in a patient yet and you know tied it up. So I'm hoping tomorrow we get to do that. We get to the close finally. It's been talked about a lot. We had a, we had a meeting with um, one of the surgical techs um, who agreed to meet with us at 545 in the morning. To, to learn and you know try to practice some more with her so she can give us some pointers and I think it's partly for us to have more practice and partly for her to have more confidence in us because sometimes the preset that will leave and it will just be her in the OR with us and she's the one that's supervising us as we close so having her watch us do it and having her train us I think builds a little bit more confidence in her as well that we are capable of doing these things and maybe she'll give us a little bit more patience when attempting it so again hoping tomorrow we can do a little bit more stuff but granted we only have eh, about three cases tomorrow so and i think one of those is going to be no no suturing at all because it's like just kind of a repeat of something we worked on today so uh we're making progress uh I don't know how much of the progress in the clinic side of things is going well-ish. Well, you've made progress with your U-World questions. Oh, yes. From where you started <laughs> with your scores versus the average to where you were this last weekend was a significant change. Yeah, I'm so getting... you, you have to be learning. <laughs> you have to be learning stuff. I, I'm Even by not touching yeah, necessarily. I, I mean, I made the goal of I watched all the online meta videos and I'm getting through all the UOD questions. I, I kind of wanted to be done with them by now and having either reset the entire bank or uh, at least going through the incorrects. I haven't made that goal just yet, but my, my plan is to finish that this week until the next two and a half weeks or so will be... Yeah, just smooth sailing, I guess. I'm trying to again, all prepping for that step two date. So it's a lot of studying for surgery, but also getting ready for step two. So it's a lot, trying to juggle two at the same time. I think we can do it, but we're, so we're making progress in those. And, and clinic is going pretty well too. I feel like we're a little bit more comfortable with the patient. We're more comfortable with the the interview with the patient being more condensed and more focused on surgical aspects. And I think we're also getting a better idea of what our preceptor wants to know. And so we're anticipating that. I do make notes in my notepad. Like if I go through my patient interview and I talk to my preceptor and he goes in and talks to the patient, if he asks a question that I never asked, then I write that down just to try to like, okay, he asked about the patient's appetite. I need to make sure I ask future patients about their appetite. Just so I'm constantly just making sure I ask all the right questions because asking the questions can get you to the correct answers. Uh, and you got a new notebook. I did, but I haven't I haven't broken open yet. Oh. I, I didn't want to use it just yet today. I wanted to, I don't know, today was just felt like I, I wanted to get through clinic as usual. Um, well, you want to tell them what's special about the notebook? Uh, the notebook <laughs> is, I haven't, again, I haven't, uh, Chris is using it, and it's basically a notebook that has separate spaces for everything that you would need to do during a physical exam. And probably one of the more nicer things, uh, for me anyway, is the review of systems and the physical exam, uh, I think relevant findings for, for system uh, systems findings. I'm not, I cannot, I'm not talking very well tonight, but it has like 
areas where you can just check things. So as you can kind of go down this list of like, oh, you have any headache, dizziness, lightheadedness, check. And then you can kind of move on down the list. You don't have to try to remember like, okay, for constitutional, for general, for ENT, etc. It gives you kind of things you might want to ask. So you can make sure you have good coverage over, over everything. This is probably more in line with like a physical exam or history and physical at the hospital. Uh, not maybe as useful for focused general surgery. No, exam. but it's a good tool. It probably would have been a better tool when you first started out. You're getting that practice getting and that seeing pr- it, being familiar with it constantly. It I mean, just, by now we are pretty familiar with it. Yeah. So if you're just starting your, <laughs> your, um, your cores. Your cores. It would probably be a very good tool to have until you get for, fairly familiar with what questions you're supposed to ask and what you're supposed to do. And so I just thought it would be a good mention. Yeah. No, what it's, is it's the name been, of it again? What's that? It's um, Perfect HP. Yeah. Uh, which, you can buy it on Amazon. It's on Amazon for, I think, $10, $11, something like that. It, it might be worth a look through. It might be worth a buy if you're just starting out with cores. It's just kind of a thing that will hopefully make you feel a little bit more at ease going into a rotation, maybe your first one. And then, of course, as you go further along, you probably won't need it as much. And again, general surgery is pretty focused. Um, so we're not really, we, we might ask about family history, but it's pretty rare we would do that. We might ask about, um, we, we of course ask about allergies and stuff, but we don't really go into like long, deep histories of like, oh, when did your when did your thyroid start acting up? Uh, oh, did you? When did you break your arm? Like, we don't go into that much of a history. It's just very focused on abdominal surgeries and very much related things. So, um, as far as the the clinic days, though, I feel like I'm getting good histories out of my patients. I feel like I get a good clinical picture. It used to be in previous rotations. Sometimes I would leave the room with a patient and so not have a clear idea or understanding of what I wanted, what what's wrong with the patient and what I would want to do with them. Because you're always supposed to be thinking differential diagnoses. And then as you go a little bit further along in your third year, getting into the fourth year, you should be thinking your assessment. So differential diagnosis, what's your top differential diagnosis? And then what's your plan? What, you, what, would you, what are you going to do to treat it? And those are the things that you should be working on. And many times when I was even with Dr. Lomboy in my internal medicine and plenty of other rotations, I would leave a room and I would just go, I have no idea what's wrong with this patient. I don't even know where to start. And with this current rotation, I do feel like I leave the room most of the time going, okay, I know this, I have a pretty good idea this patient has chronic cholecystitis, something like that. Um, so generally leave the room with a better understanding and that's i think helpful uh now and but granted it's kind of a personal goal i should say with this particular preceptor he only kind of half listens to you as you (laughs) you try to present to him um i think one the one i was most proud of today well there's two i was pretty proud of so one i was pretty proud of and i only got like two sentences in probably like patients here because she has abdominal pain (laughs) and uh she's had it for two years and that was about all i could get out before he walked into the patient's room so it's like okay well i i had 
got a pretty good history on this patient. I'm pretty sure based off all this information, she's got chronic chronic gallbladder issues that's been causing abdominal pain that's been progressively getting worse. So like, I'm pretty confident in this one. The other one I was pretty happy with, I, I, I kind of got shot down a little bit on that one. That one he was actually listening to more than a few minutes of my differential or my uh, presentation on the patient. And I don't know, when I was looking at the patient, I kind of thought like, ooh, I feel like I need to expand differential diagnoses here. I need to look at non-surgical related things as possible things of why she could be presenting the way she is. And so I was thinking somewhere along the lines of a uh, malfunctioning thyroid. So hyperthyroidism was essentially what I was thinking of, maybe Graves' disease because she had like the exothalamus and a few other things that was going on. I was like, ooh, I wonder if this is what's going on. And so when I went to present it, I just kind of slid it in there. I was like, oh, I, on presentation, she seems to have exothalamus. And uh, do you know if they ever did any sort of thyroid studies on this patient? And his immediate response was, stay in your lane. <laughs> so... Um, Keep it, I guess, the, I guess the learning point there is you can kind of keep it in the back of your mind. And when you're in surgery, they, they really just care about the surgical thing. So it's, is this a surgical indication or not a surgical indication? Is this possibly, what were we dealing with this patient? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> like, oh, a couple of years ago, we were thinking about doing a colonoscopy. Colonoscopy. <laughs> <laughs> and an EGD. So it's like we, a couple years ago, we were thinking about doing that because of this, this, and this. And most of that stuff is still here. So we're going to go ahead and do it again. But we're going to try it, try it now since it was canceled last time. So it's those sorts of things. It's just like, ah, that's a surgical possibility. So we're exploring the surgical stuff. Obviously, the primary care doctor gets to explore all the other diagnoses. So it's one of those things you, and I, I, I had had a, preceptor previously review and say that I should have expand my di differential diagnosis more and so I'm trying to make that effort to really expand it and look at things but it's, sometimes it's very hard <laughs> guess it depends on your preceptor <laughs> yes yeah I think some some appreciate it more than others then we had a kind of a nice, nice little experience the other day there's another doctor Dr. Nair Marty uh, he's not in my preceptor's practice but he is familiar to me because he plays soccer with us and he's a general surgeon at the same hospital. And he was sitting down with his medical students during lunch and decided that he was gonna talk about uh, appendicitis. And he went down the entire indications, causes, risk factors, um, how you treat it and how you might be thinking about treating it. And he made a few good points. Like he said, when you think about treating it, you need to think about it from a systems perspective. You know, if you go, uh, pulmonology, okay, what am I going to do with pulmonology? And, you know, the patient's more or less stable, you know, with the pulmonology aspect and nothing. Cardiology, okay, we want to make sure the patient's blood pressure is monitored and what whatnot. Um, GI, okay, we might, might put them on bowel rest immediately, NPO. And so you kind of go down this list and then you get to, like, infectious disease. And okay, well, which medications, which uh, IV antibiotics are you going to use for uh, an infection of the appendix, which is in the colon, obviously. So you want to make sure you cover atypicals, parasit parasitics, gram negatives, and I think he even said gram positives too. So you, you want a pretty wide coverage. And so which medications would you give and blah, blah, blah. So it was, um, 
pretty nice experience because we haven't quite had a little bit of that. So it was nice to have some quizzing with some information kind of being dropped on us. And so that was that was fun. And you did a appendectomy that day as well. Yeah, we did an appendectomy that day, and we also we we done we've been doing more appendectomies as of late. <laughs> uh, so it's it's all applicable and it's all it's all helpful, and we're we're not screwing it up. So I think we did have an experience today in working on a particular patient where she they they were doing it under very light sedation. Uh, I don't know which. For the anesthesiologists out there, I didn't, I did not know which uh, medications they were giving, but they essentially maxed the dose while we were like, during during the course of the procedure, and she was still having issues, and she was not asleep. So that was a very stressful procedure. Uh, we, of course, uh, me and my partner Chris were just observing to a large extent, since it's you know it's a pretty minor procedure and. The preset that was trying to do the procedure, but it was, as you can imagine, if somebody is feeling, if it feels like the other the patient is very much awake while you're doing stuff to them, it's very unnerving and hard to hard to perform a procedure. <laughs> it makes you kind of think like, what do we, what do we do for surgery before? Do the surgery exists before anesthesia? Because <laughs> my goodness, <laughs> that was a uh, it was stressful for me, and I was just watching. Well, you know that amputations existed before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, it's like Civil War era amputations. You give them, like, alcohol, whiskey, or whatever, and, and you can amputate stuff. It's not, it's not really surgery. I mean, it's surgery, but it's like, you know, cutting off limbs is, you don't really have to be like, oh, well, I got to make sure I salvage and avoid this, this artery here. It's like, no, you just make sure you clamp it before you cut it. <laughs> Make sure you clot it up before you do anything crazy. I have not having done an amputation, to be fair. I'm sure there's more to it, but there's also not, probably not as much that can go wrong. There's probably plenty of things that can go wrong, let's be yeah. fair. Well, I mean, you know there there wasn't probably because people's lifespan was shorter. Yeah, I, guess, I mean, people who did have amputations back then didn't live as long. Or... Even, or anything. Yeah, yeah. People in general <laughs> anyway. did not live as long. <laughs> and then I, we had another experience where, again, it wasn't me. It was my partner who we do our morning rounds with the patients. And this particular patient, as she was going under, I spent a, a good amount of time talking about how how great my, my, my partner Chris was and how he was a good listener. He answered all her questions and he was great with her when... When he came in in the morning, et cetera, et cetera. So, like, Chris, of course, is in the room, and he's just like, "Yes, yes, that's, this is this is great." And he's pretty humble, you know, in the general in general. But like, the patient was like singing his praises in front of our preceptor, which you know anyone would be like, "That's right, preceptor, keep listening." Maybe write some notes down so that when you <laughs> when you have to write my eval, like this stuff can be like verbatim or something like that. So it was a pretty good day for for Chris, I think. Oh no, that's it's a uh, surgical rotation is going okay. It's not bad. Um, again, I think our precept is generally pretty funny uh, when he wants to be. He can he can get a little frustrated if things aren't going as planned or if there's delays and whatnot. So we, we had some relatively complicated cases yesterday that we you know we started out with I think a, a sigmoid vul- vulvus. 
which is basically the sigmoid colon that wraps around itself. Um, for any of those people looking for buzzwords for you world, it's coffee bean. <laughs> it's a coffee bean on x-ray. This is giant, and sometimes you might think, oh, a coffee bean, like you're looking for a tiny little, I don't know, thing that looks like a coffee bean. It like, takes up the entire abdomen on x-ray. But anyway, so we were going to go ahead and decompress that because you can try to decompress it in office. Uh, I don't think I've seen anyone do that yet. Uh, I'm sure it's possible on, on the literature. It says you can try to do that in office, like just externally try to manipulate it. I don't think it probably works as well. And then, or you can do like a colonoscopy, like kind of sticking a tube in there, and then you can try to manipulate it to decompress it. Sometimes just getting the air out of the dilated bowel can fix it. But in this particular case, it was um, it was ischemic or it, had, it died. It died. Like so, when it wraps up on itself, it is considered a medical emergency. You do want to unwrap it because it's like when you twist a hose, it will pinch, and then there's no blood flow and. It's just like having no blood flow to your heart. You can have a heart attack. You no blood flow to your colon. You have a colon attack, and it dies. And so you see lactic acid levels rising and um, leukocytosis, so elevated white blood cell counts and all sorts of fun stuff going on. And it's just so we got in there with the colonoscopy. We, my preceptor, got in there with the, <laughs> the colonoscopy with the scope, and we had done like six colonoscopies earlier that day so it was pretty obvious once we got past like the rectum that like the, there was something wrong with the colon like when even though that you know she hadn't had a bowel prep or anything like that like it wasn't you know fecal matter hanging off the walls it was like black black colon so we had to get out of there at some point because if you again you could try to manipulate it like you try to decompress it and then maybe go back in a day or so later and remove the colon, but you have to be careful with dead tissue because it tears, and a perforated colon is probably a little bit worse than a... Well, it's still pretty bad on the, on the scale of dead colon, perforated colon, but we had to... That kind of made the day just go a little bit longer yesterday because we went from, oh, we're just going to decompress this, and in two, three days, we're just going to go ahead and remove part of the colon to... Nope, we can't decompress this. We have to just cut it out today. So we went, you know, found an OR and opened her up and took care of it. And yeah, so we, <laughs> it's been, been kind of an interesting few days. I, I don't think I have it the worst though. I think there's other medical students who have, have had longer days. Knock yeah. on wood here. <laughs> Knock on wood. <laughs> He's saying this right at um, City Call Week. So. Yeah, we're, we're supposed to have like, I don't know, like, one, two, three, four, five days like of city call this week. So we're we already got through one and we got a good number number of patients out of that. We have a, a few more to go. <laughs> so yeah. it could be a lot busier and a lot more crazier. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So he's gonna be Eric's gonna be on call all weekend. Or at least like every other day of the weekend. Yeah, I think. Uh, probably Friday and Sunday. Sunday, yeah. So uh we will See how that changes things. I have but... I have yet to be called in. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I don't wanna Has Chris been called in? Nope. Neither no. of us have Most been really of the calls in. that you have gotten have been during the day and you've just had longer days. Yeah. They're just somebody who comes in for the E D and we take care of them. Uh so I, I have 
I've talked to a few of the other medical students and not many of them have been called in. And I don't know if all of them do call the same way. So some of them will will do call with their preceptor as long as they are with them that day. And then as soon as they go home, the preceptor doesn't make them come back in. Others have different different habits and things. So I don't know. So far, hasn't been too bad. Yeah. Can't, can't, can't really complain. So that's... Uh, that's the medical school front, and <laughs> on the, I think, what did we do this last week? We went... We uh, went to the Peach Festival. The Peach Festival, yes. I think we found out that we're not uh, festival people. <laughs> it's a little bit hard with four kids in tow, but it, I mean, it was fine. Our oldest was so mad at us. Um, we, so we went to try to, we got, went to the Peach Festival, we were meeting with a few friends, and I think as much as we're not festival people, we are like still trying to be outgoing people who leave the house occasionally. (laughs) (laughs) So we were like, okay, our friends invited us to go to this thing. We should at least make an effort to show that we're not just people who only stay in our house and that they can invite us to stuff and we will show up. And so we, we got there, we got the kids out of the car, two of them in a stroller. We're going through the festival to try to find our friends and we go the wrong way, and we find a bouncy house area. I still have to meet the friends, so we like have to try to convince our son, that our oldest son, that it's okay, we'll come back later, we'll come back later, we just got to go find our friends. And he's dragging his feet, he's a little upset. <laughs> he's not exactly the most uh, enthusiastic uh, person. And then when we finally find our friends, he's just like, bouncy house, and he's like, scowling at everybody he's got like the worst attitude <laughs> it's <laughs> did he get to go in the bouncy house no no it cost him ten dollars per kid that's that's, that's crazy talk yeah um <laughs> we bought a bouncy house for 40 bucks <laughs> yeah, we, we, don't, <laughs> we don't we don't need to spend 40 bucks so that you could do i mean it wasn't like those bouncy houses but i mean those were pretty cool ones but ten dollars yeah. was a was a pretty pretty steep price and I wasn't really too keen on that. But we went and found some bubbles, and we did that for a while. But for the most part, I mean, it was a street. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was bigger than the Perry Farmer's Market was when I went to that. Yeah. So it was pretty good size, and we're just not really mar- we're not really festival people because like we don't I don't know we don't really buy knickknacks, and. I guess we don't also, we were discussing this, like, we guess we don't buy food from, I, I don't mind buying food, but apparently Karen says well, no. It's, <laughs> why it's, would you buy food from a festival? It's like, well, it tastes good, that's why you would buy food from overly, a festival. <laughs> well, but I I think this comes back down to, like, our, like, when we grew up. Like, because when we grew up, my, like, when we went to, would go to fairs or festivals or whatever, like, my dad would have a certain amount of, like, we could do this, we could do this, we could do this. You uh, get this, one elephant this. ear and <laughs> one milkshake and three rides. Right? Like, And we're going to go to the pancake breakfast at 6 a.m. in the morning. That's free, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Besides the elephant ear, you got everything correct. I know. I, 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 you know, I dated you for a while. <laughs> I think I've been to at least one of those pancake breakfasts at Oh, Dark 30. Yep. Yeah. Well, well you get free entrance and you get free breakfast. So the old Clark County Fairgrounds. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. I 
I guess we haven't actually gone to anything like that since we've been <laughs> married. And in my mind, like, you just don't buy food because it's expensive there. <laughs> it's fair. But if you're single and you, you're just dating somebody, I guess it's different. Yeah, because it's a date. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's fair. Anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> but when you have four kids in tow, it does because it adds up fast. Yes, and our kids are still uncivilized. <laughs> and I say that, like, they'll eat their boogers out of the nose, but they like, they won't eat, like, eggs. Or Kara's <laughs> looking at me like, you should not be sharing this stuff. <laughs> this is not... Come on, they're kids. <laughs> Who among us did not eat their boogers as kids? <laughs> I thought that, like, we were making progress the other day when we watched, like, Green Eggs and Ham, and then they wanted ham and eggs for dinner, and so I made them ham and eggs for dinner, and... This is nasty. Not not green, not green eggs. No, not green eggs, obviously. But still, like, <laughs> I thought we were making progress. Every once in a while, I'll try and sneak in something else, and for the most part, it doesn't work. So eventually it will come, right? Yes, like them staying in bed when we tell them to. <laughs> That's never going to happen. <laughs> like, we've had to pause this, like, three times now because some kid has come out. Like, same kid has come out, and, like, the second time it was, he was hanging out by our bedroom door. It's like, I have to go to the bathroom. It's like, you walked past the bathroom to come to our room to tell us that you had to go to the bathroom. He doesn't need to go to the bathroom. He just wants to stay out of bed. Yes, he's procrastinating. <laughs> he's really good at that. Yes, but I don't know. What else do we do this weekend? Well, you've been trying to do the, the TV cutback. Oh. I have been doing the TV cutback. It has been because it's hard as I mean, it's hard, hard. sometimes. You you attempted to like give an iPad to a kid or a TV, and of course, you know you talk to your pediatrician, and they say that you should like really cut down on the screen time. And then of course, COVID hit, and apparently that rule went out the window. But uh, so, <laughs> sorry, that's a, maybe a little too snide. But um, well, but for, you, for the you, last two weeks, we haven't had the iPad, and then. This last, like, weekend week, we have been cutting it down to 30 minutes per kid. And then if they're very good, they can earn, like, a movie for the afternoon that they all have to agree on, which that in and of itself is difficult to do. Yeah, there's some dissension between the kids uh, on what what they watch and how much they want to watch, like... You you get up in the morning and they're like, I want to watch TV. And you're like, no. I think today I was like, no, I think mom mom says no TV in the morning. Because <laughs> <laughs> it is sometimes really easy just to just be like, here, watch a little bit of Ninja Turtles. I'm going to get ready to go to work and mom can sleep a little bit longer. And that's tempting. But today we, we avoided that. Yeah. So... I'm turn I am turning on like the live aquarium feed and letting the kids point out the different fish and then we read about the seas. So today we learned about all of the different oceans. Oh, okay. And then we planted plants yesterday and today we did a worksheet on what plants need to <laughs> to Grow. Planted plants. Uh, if you are from Trinity, that means that we finally planted our herbs that the, <laughs> the Hope Club gave us like three weeks ago. 
I'm pretty sure I did it like competition related to it, like who can grow the biggest or nicest plant, and you're supposed to send pictures in, and like we haven't, we just put the seeds in the in the ground today. <laughs> like we're we're not winning any awards here. No, no. Oliver chose to plant pumpkins, and Nora planted carrots. None of which are what the Hope Club. No, I mean they did <laughs> they did help me plant the chives and the basil. Okay. I was like, I don't even remember what, what <laughs> herbs I, I selected. I just selected the ones I thought that we might use occasionally. Yeah. Um, and then Judah and Xander planted flowers, which I have no idea if those are going to grow because they just kind of got thrown in there. So we'll see. <laughs> Organized. We got this. Three and a four-year-old. They don't know any better. They're just happy to play in the dirt. And we also got the uh, the tourniquet, finally, for my, my kind of obsessive emergency medicine by buying spree that we're carrying <laughs> interestingly refused to let me get a decompression needle <laughs> and tell them how expensive it was it's like 20 bucks and do you actually think that i would use that no so why would you put that in my car just in case in case i'm gonna stab somebody in the throat no not the throat you don't put it in the throat you <laughs> see? put it in see? the chest <laughs> jeez, jeez. I would totally use it. See, you're having trouble breathing. The the air is seeping into your chest wall and collapsing your lung. Let me stab your throat. (laughs) See? That's why you don't give non-medical people something (laughs) they don't know how to use. I will teach you how to use No, I don't want to know. The tourniquet. The tourniquet. tourniquet. You put it above the bleed. We'll talk. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little... That's that's like the, the... (laughs) <laughs> yes, you put it above the blade, obviously, but there's a little bit more to it. <laughs> we're, 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 we're looking over. I'll show you. It's it's pretty straightforward. You you almost have it down. Wouldn't it be above, above the bleed and closest to the amputation spot if you had to amputate? So, again, we, we can talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> no one's amputated anything, just for the record. Like... Just because you put a tourniquet on doesn't mean you're cutting it off, cutting off a lip. No, I know that. Oh, okay. Then why would you talk about amputation? Because it depends on how long the tourniquet is on, doesn't it? Because like, after a certain amount yeah, of time like, without blood uh, flow. Like six hours. Is it really that yeah, long? it's pretty long. Oh. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's got to hurt like hell when you actually get the blood to you know, flow hopefully, through. Hopefully you don't go for six hours. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, it probably would hurt. <laughs> Probably hurts more to have the thing on, though. Let's be honest. Having had tourniquet on me, it hurts more. But after I guess a while, I've does never... it just go numb? No, it hurts. Hmm. I guess I haven't had it on longer than like ten minutes, so we'll we'll see. Hmm. Anyways, that is uh, we digress. Um, we are trying to figure out what we're gonna do for Father's Day for our fathers. Yes. Wait, there was something I was supposed to talk about last week. Was there? (laughs) (laughs) Karen's like, is that like you know what it is? Is that what supposed to? You're asking the person with pregnancy brain what what you're supposed to remember. I thought that was like you just don't want me to talk about it. I was like, I remember like last week stopping because we were going long. And oh, look at the notes for last week. Then I'm working on it. Um. Takes a minute. Keep going. <laughs> Filibuster. Filibuster, right. <laughs> we did end up getting peaches at the peach 
well, we on the peach farm on the way home from the peach fair. So we're waiting for those to ripen, and then we'll be making some smoothies, I think. Yeah, so the thing I forgot to mention last one, well, we didn't have time to mention last week, is just wanted to do an update, because we were still working on the away electives, and we're still working on, you know, basically all the fourth year things. And uh, the, there was a an orthopedic program I was working on with a previous doctor I used to work for, and we were trying to find a way into that program to do an audition uh, elective and we spent a lot of time talking to them and (laughs) trying to be very convincing that they they would want to do it and that they would bypass a few of the rules to do it and it obviously did not work out so they they have um essentially it kind of came down to i don't think it's a big deal to talk about but certain programs out there have I guess contracts. Uh, you make a, a student affiliation contract with a particular school, uh, so that you can go go to that location. At this, it's basically a legal contract of some kind. And certain programs tend to like to limit who they make the contracts to. They don't. Uh, I guess they don't want to engage in having too many schools with students uh, able to come to their program. And so this particular program didn't want to make another contract. They had a, had a policy that they had enough schools that they they felt like they had enough applicants for the audition uh, pro, uh, electives that they didn't need more applicants for the limited number of audition electives they had. So we were trying to convince them that my precept, my former doctor that I worked for, he had talked to the program director to try to advocate on my behalf he did a lot of a lot of above and beyond work there but we were hoping that he could uh, convince him to make an exception for me uh, and and honestly I, it was a pretty much of a long shot it's always been kind of a long shot but it was one of those things where you kind of got told no and it's like well if I keep pushing the worst is is that the answer is going to continue to be no so you just kind of kind of tactfully try to push in different ways about being rude or about making it sound like, no, you guys need me there and how dare you do this and you know, not question their intelligence or question too many things, like, but you can push back. There's a tactful ways of doing all that stuff. And I think I accomplished all that where I didn't burn any bridges, but I, I did make a, a, an honest effort to, to get what I wanted. And so I think hopefully that would be an asset in the future. I don't know. You know, if we end up do applying that uh, specialty in September, then maybe that, you know, we'll throw that program in the mix just so that they, they have seen my name at least once and hopefully associate it with someone who tries hard. <laughs> uh, but I just want to at least update that because... Um, yeah, we've been talking about it in the past, and that that has not worked out. And I think that's true for a lot of things we do in medical school. We we have different programs we we want to audition for, and this doesn't end up working out for one one thing or another. And it's just part of the struggle of being a medical student. I think it's also part of the struggle of being a Caribbean student as well. As I mean, we don't have access to VLSO programs, uh, programs who participate in VLSO. I don't really. It's like visiting learning student organizations, something like that. But it's only really for like U.S. medical schools, um, and Trinity is not uh, in that program, so we miss out on a few programs because of that. And 
That's not because Trinity's a slouch or anything like that. It's just because that's how the system is set up currently. And we just have to figure out how to work with what we are given and make the best of it. So I think, what's our what's our game plan as far as that goes? Like, uh, I know we're still like working through the match a resident list of uh, programs, but are we, 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 I don't know, we're, we're toying with the idea of continuing to pursue that specialty just, just as a, a wild card out there. Yeah. And I did get a name of a Trinity student that did make it into orthopedic surgery today. I didn't tell you about this. And so, no, um, I was going to encourage you to possibly reach out and just talk to him and pick his brain on okay. how he did that. But, um, we'll talk, yeah. we'll talk. I, I have, I have some skepticism, but uh, we'll talk. <laughs> so, yeah. But I think this week, uh, we're, you're just going to continue on with step two studying as well as your U world questions. And, um, obviously it's a, a on call week, city on call. So we don't really know what the schedule is going to be. Yeah. We're just as opportunity to do as many questions as possible and do what you can. Yep. So, yeah, that's that's our week, and then we will move forward from there. Next week, we find out gender. Oh, yeah, we have the ultrasound appointment next week. Yeah, but that'll be after the podcast airs, so you guys... You, two weeks, so you guys yeah, find two, out. Yeah, two weeks for you guys. That's you okay. guys can we guess to, if you want. We let our families know and, and stuff like that, so we have to... Uh, no, no offense to the podcast listeners, but like, there's, there's a pecking order of who gets to hear what information, and <laughs> <laughs> generally, family is the first. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it should be a good week, an interesting week. Yeah. And um, as always, if you have any questions, feel free to shoot them to us through our Instagram, MedFamilyMD, or you can listen to the podcast on pretty much any platform. Feel free to rate us yeah. or reach out. Yeah. Thank you, and have a good week.